Welcome back to episode 26 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast, today looking at new transfers. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast for another bonus international break episode. On today's podcast, I'll be doing a run through of some of the late waiver window signings and picking out ones that you should be considering for your draft teams. So to be clear, any signings made pre-season or in the earlier weeks will not be covered here as they will have already been part of your draft days or will have already been hoovered up through waivers in the opening few weeks. So the likes of Bale, Van der Beek, Thiago, Semedo, Jota, Ziyech, Werner, Silva, Havertz, Diaz, Regalon, etc. will not be discussed today. But without further ado, let's get into it. So the first name is Alex Tellez, who signed for Man United. Potentially the best FPL signing from the end of the window um, as he joined United from Porto. Signing that seemed to be in the works for weeks, but has finally got completed just ahead of the window closing. So he's a left back um, whose strength sounds like it lies very much more in attack than it does in defence. Prolific crosser into the box. Uh, good delivery from set pieces, though will remain to be seen if he gets on those at United. And also has a classic fullback thunderbolt out of nowhere that he can pull out once or twice a year. Definitely an upgrade on Luke Shaw. Uh, and so should find his way into the starting eleven probably immediately as, as Oli Gunnar Solskjaer looks to resurrect that defence. He's got 25 assists in the league from the past two seasons. And if he can get anywhere near that this year, he'll be near the top of the pack for defenders. So the obvious downside is that he is a United defender. And for the time being, at least clean sheets feel like uh, a pipe dream for a backline led by Harry Maguire. The other obvious downside for a player in his mould is that the majority of his assists come from open play crosses and United's front line are not really well suited to that set you know to that setup method. So you feel like he could have been a great addition to you know a United team led by Lukaku a couple of seasons back, but here he is now. Either way, he will get picked up in your league's waivers this week and if you've got decent priority, he would definitely be somebody worth bringing in. Staying with Man United then, and the award for the most glittery deadline day signing, this year at least, goes to Edison Cavani joining from PSG. This Cavani signing is obviously being compared to moves in recent years for Falcao and Ibrahimovic and trying to work out which of those two he will mimic in his time with United. It's a bit of a cop-out, but I think he'll fall somewhere in the middle of the two. Ibra scored 17 from 28 appearances in his main season with United, while at the other end, Falcao scored four in 26. So somewhere in the middle lands around 10 goals with a few assists thrown in there, which would be, you know, would be a useful haul for United. For him to justify his spot fully then, he has to act as a foil as well for the wide players to get the majority of the goals. So where does he fit then in that Man United jigsaw and which of the current crop could miss out. The obvious place in the short term at least would seem to be up front as Martial will miss the next three league games through suspension and has looked quiet in that spot so far. I've never been fully convinced with Martial as a centre forward and his numbers reflect more of an attacker coming in from wide rather than a true number nine. The trouble for Martial long term is is that um, you know if he does get 
uh, push wide. Marcus Rashford MB is better in that position coming off the left. The alternative is Cavani replaces one of the wide players, and but you know you just feel this would not really uh, offer any sort of upgrade on what they've already got. One thing to note is. It sounds as though he may have to quarantine for 14 days, meaning he won't be available for that first game back against Newcastle, which means either Rashford or Greenwood will lead the line. This just gives him a bit longer, really, to improve his fitness and settle in. So expect him in all guns blazing for their game the following week against Chelsea. He will be most league's first overall waiver coming out of the international break, and I wouldn't disagree. His time at United is hard to predict, but an Ibra-esque season is the upside that you're gambling on there. To Spurs then, and finally they sign a backup striker for Kane, who is a constant injury worry and news already this weekend while I'm recording this that Kane may have picked up a muscular injury training for England. So Vinicius is the player who's come in from Benfica, tied for the golden boot in the Portuguese last year with 18 goals from 20-odd appearances. 25 years old, six foot three Brazilian, seems like a good option, uh, or as good an option as could be found, considering that whoever came in would have to accept Kane is the main man. Much of what I've read on him suggests he's a striker that finds himself in the right place at the right time, who has good efficiency with his shooting, and that's basically what you want in any striker. So, you know, a player with clear poacher qualities in. Kane's inevitable absences is just what Spurs need to stop the wheels coming off mid-season every year. Would I recommend you bring him into your draft team? For a lot, probably yes, especially if you've already got a non-playing forward in your squad. And if Kane does get injured, you've suddenly got a starting Spurs striker with Son and Bale either side of him. Definitely an unknown quantity for Premier League football, but maybe a gamble that pays off nicely. Staying in North London, but moving over to... The red side, and that's Party, who signed for Arsenal. Lots of hype around this signing on transfer deadline day and saw a few people on social media talking about bringing him into their fantasy teams. And to make it absolutely clear, this guy is not an FPL option. He's a central defensive midfielder and has a goal-scoring record to match. His presence in the team is something that could alter the value of Arsenal's defenders longer term. You know, if he makes things a bit more solid in the middle there but that's about it for now so not one to consider. Over to the current league leaders then in Everton who made a couple of moves on transfer deadline day to add to their uh, already impressive signings that they've added already. The first to talk about is Godfrey who's come from Norwich for £25 million and I think Norwich will be laughing their way to the bank after that move. I've not been following Norwich's fortunes that closely now they're back in the championship but a quick review of their opening game reports doesn't really paint Godfrey in a shining light you know heroically battling on despite the inadequacies of his teammates instead it reads like a championship level player you know defender conceding goals against championship teams he won't be in the starting 11 barring an injury and if there was an injury which would see him come in I certainly wouldn't be interested in him. Now, a defensive player you may want to keep an eye on who went to Everton on deadline day is goalkeeper Robin Olsen, who's joined them on loan with an option to buy from Roma. Now, this guy is a career number one keeper and will not have been brought in under the pretense that he is there to back up 
Jordan Pickford. He is very much there to compete for the starting spot. And if Pickford carries on in the manner he has, I can see Ancelotti giving Olsen a go in goal sooner rather than later, as he won't want to miss the opportunity to capitalise on the great start that Everton have had in the league. If I owned Pickford in my draft team and had a poor backup option, I would definitely consider bringing Olsen in to back up uh, Pickford so that you're secure if and when Olsen is given the start. Down to Leicester and just want to quickly mention Wesley Fofana, who is a 19-year-old centre-back, likely to be a bit more of a project than somebody they'll be throwing straight into the starting eleven, so not one to look at just yet. On to West Ham. They have managed to work into the into the team already is Vladimir Kufal, new Czech right back who signed from Slavia Prague. As I said, went straight into the starting eleven for their 3-0 win away at Leicester and had a very solid debut. Hasn't had really much press from, from what I've seen so far. Probably not one to consider now that West Ham have Spurs, Man City and Liverpool in the next three league games. But beyond that, he's definitely one to think about if you are looking to stream a West Ham defender because he looks to have been you know, given that spot straight away. Next, uh, a couple of players to mention from Southampton. I'll just very quickly mention Ibrahima Diallo who came in. He's a central defensive midfielder, so not one I'd be looking at at the moment. But the one who I would be casting an eye over is Theo Walcott. Obviously getting a move back to the club that made him what he is and... I can see him getting some decent game time there. You know, Armstrong has been used on the right side lately and he's played okay. But I think Walcott could, you know, provide them with a lot more and provide a lot more balance to the team rather than the the kind of fear factor predominantly coming from that left side. So, you know, you've got Redmond and Gineppo competing for that left wing spot. So it makes a lot of sense for all involved, really, to have a player like Walcott on the right hand side. I would consider bringing him in. Now, if you're in larger leagues where resources are scarce, but for others, he could be one just to watch and wait for a game or two and see how he links up with two front men. Another quick one to mention quickly is a new Wolves signing, uh, Ryan Aitnori, who's uh, a young uh, 19-year-old French left-back signed, um, likely as a backup option for Mark Howe on that left-hand side, who will remain the first choice. Even if there's an injury to Mark Howe, you know, I think we'd probably see Semedo moved over to the left with Traore coming back to fill in at right wing back as he has done on a number of occasions. So this new guy is probably not one to consider at the moment. To finish off then, two uh, two Chelsea midfielders who have unsurprisingly been loaned out to other Premier League clubs. The first one is Loftus-Cheek, who has joined Fulham. I think this is a good bit of business for Fulham to get Loftus-Cheek in on loan and just provide a bit more presence and quality in midfield. A combination of him and uh, Anguissa could be a real solid base for their attacks, but I really don't see him posting any lively numbers in the team that I think will be comfortably relegated you know, coming bottom of the table. Um, he's still only 24, but very much starting to come into his prime and you know my concern would be that he's starting to find his level um, and it's not playing for a team like Chelsea. So not one I'd be looking at just yet, but maybe one just to add in to your watch list. The second one, obviously, is Ross Barkley. And what a debut he's had for Villa, helping them put seven past the champions. He looked quality and I didn't mention him 
on the Game Week 4 preview pod because I wasn't sure he'd get thrown in so quickly. But uh, you know, my advice would be off the back of that performance not to listen to any naysayers who will say it was a fluke performance You know, and, and that we need to see him play a bit more. In draft FBL, you don't have that kind of, you don't have the luxury of time. And when a player is brewing form like that, they will get picked up. So, you know, I 100% agree. We need to see Barkley do that with more consistency. But there are enough tools around him, both literally and figuratively, to help him grab some decent FPL points this year. And as I said in the last pod, I expect Villa to finish in the top half this year. And he'll help them be, you know, he'll be a big part of that. So that's it for this episode, but if you feel like your draft FPL thirst hasn't quite been quenched, then check out the previous episode where I've done kind of mini review for game weeks one through four. And if you're fully up to date with everything, there will be another episode coming out before the deadline on Friday, focusing on players that we are yet to see this year and how to go about valuing them. Please subscribe if you haven't already, so you don't miss out on on any future episodes. Leave us a review. And follow us on Twitter at FBL Draft Hub Pod. Of course, if you haven't already, head over to FBLDraftHub.com where you will find personalised and general stats that you will not find anywhere else. On there, you'll be able to see a breakdown of your team and league. Plus, on the Draft Universe tab, you'll be able to see overall ownership figures and see what sort of players the top managers own at the moment. All of that is completely free. So I hope you're staying sane through the international break. And as always, stay shook. <laughs>